Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Welcome into uh, Purple Access, Zolgad, uh, Chip Scoggins. Uh, every other week, of course, Purple Access, Chip joins us. And uh, Ross Brendel at the controls today of this fine show, which is sponsored uh, by our friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a program that works. And here's the good news. Olivia's Black Friday offer has been extended. Join today. You're going to save up to 50%. Visit Livia.com. That's L-I-V-E-A.com or call 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. A limited time offer, so join now. Again, 50% off. Um, Livia.com. Livia voted Minnesota's best weight loss program three years in a row. Chip Scoggins, what's going on? Happy bye week. Chip, I think you're muted. Am I muted? Am I there? No, you're not muted. You are unmuted now. You're good to go. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm no, uh, I'm enjoying muted. the bye week. What are you doing? Are you taking you're not taking a week off? Are you no. self-scouting? Are you I'm still scouting. Good? There's never, you know what? Kevin O'Connell doesn't take the week off. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell, his wife and kids said, okay, oh, come on, Kevin, you're off this no. week. He said, no, I got to choose a quarterback. I got to choose got a quarterback. quarterback problems. Time <laughs> quarterback off. Problems. <laughs> time off is for those who don't want to win. I want to That's win. Right. I want, I want us to be on top and I want the Vikings to be. So give me your thoughts. Um, I've basically said from what O'Connell said or Monday and then really Tuesday, Josh Dobbs ain't starting December 10th against the Raiders. What do you think? Yeah, I, the turnovers are alarming and I don't know that O'Connell has more enough, any more patience for him. Yep. You could tell he was exasperated the other night after game as he should be. Mm -hmm. It was four and it could have been easily five with the pick six and maybe another. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, it was a great story while it lasted, but unless O'Connell uses this bye week, which I don't think is even possible, but unless he uses bye week to really tinker with the system and try to craft it more around what Dobbs does and his running ability, I I think he will probably go back to picking a quarterback who knows the system so they don't have to have so much adjustments my hunch would be I would want to see Jaron Hall because he's a rookie and what we saw in what was it two drives in Atlanta? Yep. Made you want to see it a little bit more, but my guess is they'll go with Nick Mullins because he's the veteran and typically coaches side on the veteran veteran in these situations. And had he not gotten hurt, he would have been the guy in Atlanta. So if you're doing process of elimination, I'm guessing it's going to be Mullins when they when they um pick back up. 
which is the least sexy of all the choices, but I agree completely. And and look, I, I mean, Mullins has fumbled the football and he's thrown picks, so he is certainly not perfect. But you know, this team, like it or not, is going to compete for a playoff spot, and they're mm-hmm. right now still in the seventh and final seed in the conference. And so I'm with you. I think that they're gonna play it as safe as possible. And I think the fact that Dobbs turned over the ball six times in two games is enough for them not to now go back to the drawing board. I also, so I was, I voiced this after the game on Monday and I'm not the first one or the last one. I was a little bit surprised by the game plan. I mean, Dobbs was two times. They tried to make him a passer. Now, Going through uh, O'Connell's press conference on Tuesday, it sounds like he th- he said, well, the Bears changed some things and were intent on stopping Dobbs, and so we had to sort of take a different tact. Um, what did you think of that whole thing? Because it was a terrible football game, but there were some odd storylines that I think are worth exploring. Yeah, it, it's it's almost, and I don't know how much of it, and I think uh, Denver did this uh, to a degree too, is don't let him get outside the pocket and, and move around and make things happen like we saw his first two games. And and so it, they almost became content with making him a pocket passer, and that's not what he does well. I, I You thought there might be more designed calls to get him on the edge, maybe even design runs. I thought a design run on when they got the, go, the ball back there at 328 after the fumble and they're up uh, 10 to 9, I thought instead of running Madison up the – Gut three, you know, two straight times. Why not try something creative with Dobbs's feet? So it was. It, how much is that? What the way the Bears defended him? I'm sure it had something to do with him because teams are not dumb. They're like, we can't. This guy can beat you if he's out and freelancing and on the run. So I, I just, you know, I listened to O'Connell. I think it was, I can't remember if it was after the game or Tuesday, but he's talking about the timing and the footwork and where and all the different things that. He's basically saying these quarterbacks that we've had have been drilled on this day after day, week after week, month after month, and now you're asking Dobbs to do it on the fly in real time. And so I think as he kind of sits back now that he's healthy, and now that – or without Cousins, but the other guys are healthy, I think he'll just say, let's go with the guys that we've been coaching for three years or two years or however long they've been here. Um, and the upside might not be as high as what you would get with Dobbs. Right. But – uh, the the turnovers you can't live with, and I, I, I wonder too if, if if O'Connell's just saying there's just so much he doesn't know about how they do it in the system, and and they're trying to piece this together. That especially if you're if you're having turnovers, it, it's easy to make the change. So um, yeah, I I how how the thing I don't know is, and I assume it's pretty complicated to really change what you do fundamentally schematically to fit your quarterback when everybody else is used to something else. This mm-hmm. is, it, it's not like they have an off season to do this. This is trying to do it in practice time in a couple of days or even a couple of weeks. So it, it doesn't, it's not realistic. How much has your opinion, if it has changed of Kirk uh, cousins and the opportunity and the chance of him coming back now, keeping in mind that they could draft a QB sure. as well. But has your thought process on Kirk changed now that, that we've seen a, what, four-game sample size of a backup who started off great and obviously the past two games has struggled way more? Well, as much as we all got caught up in the euphoria of what he did those first – It was a great we're story. Why, we're seeing why Dobbs has been with seven teams. So 
if we, I don't think anybody thought he was going to come in here and match what Kirk Cousins did or replace Kirk Cousins because that's uh, fantasy land. But I don't know. I it, it clearly shows you how good Cousins was this year and the level that he's playing and the trust that he had from the coaching staff and fans that he's going to he's going to play at a high level. I don't know that it changes the organizational thinking of it would be nice to have mobility in that in that because we saw glimpses of what that can do. Now I'm not talking about a running quarterback, but I'm just talking about someone who you know has that part to their game, which Kirk doesn't. He does other things really, really well. So, yep. but again, Judd, I, do I think they would like to bring him back? Yes, but what's the what's the cost? Right. It, as as Quasey said, it's a negotiation. So it, it's it's all going to come down to what his side wants in terms of what their demands are for the salary, cost and security as well. Like like what's sure. the term and and you know what he's never played in his life in the National Football League, Chipper. He's never played with his replacement, especially here, behind yeah. him. And like so, if they draft a guy and they sign him and they say Kirk, we'll do one year because he's thirty. He's going to be thirty six next summer. He's coming off an Achilles, and I don't care what's going on with the Jets and Rodgers. An Achilles is a big deal, especially at that age. And so there's just so many questions here. I do have one for, for you on O'Connell as well. Two years in now, and he clearly has some really good a- attributes as a coach. I think we all agree that the Vikings appear yeah. to have gotten this higher right what is your opinion of O'Connell as a play caller? Because I've I have vacillated on this one, and I just to be very clear, I know it's a really tough job, so I'm not saying, well, I'd like to do it. I would have no interest. But what's your opinion? You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. I think he's a great play caller when he trusts his quarterback. Right. We've seen him when Kirk was in there, we saw creativity. We saw, uh, I think probably more aggressiveness, more comfort calling things. I go back to, well, three situations, uh, the end of both halves at Denver where he was content to play for a field goal because he, I, I just don't think he trusts Dobbs not to turn the ball over. Happened again, uh, the other night, when they get it, was it the 43 or whatever it was on the fumble recovery? 328, you're up. You don't need – you need, what, eight yards, nine, whatever it was to get a first right. down? Yes. And he was more concerned with – now, he was trusting his defense in the way they were looking against Justin Fields. I get it. But if Cousins would have been in that situation, I don't think they would have run it up the middle two straight times. Because I, I just think the four turnovers scared him. And oh, they he didn't want to get did. in that. He didn't want to get in that situation again. So, I think a lot of it's dependent on who his quarterback is, and you'd probably say that for a lot of coaches. But he, we, we've seen the conservative side of him come out to try to manage a game and not to not make a mistake and hope it and put it on his defense. And, and no matter who you're playing, like Russell Wilson, yep. he can turn into Russell Wilson as bad as Justin Fields looked the other night and 
throwing a million screen. I wish my family loved me as much as the Bears love screen passes, um, as much screen passes that they threw. If you, if you, you certainly girl, pay enough in college tuition, <laughs> you should right. be loved. That's right. Um, I don't care who it is. If you leave the door open, you're yep. susceptible to that. Here's what I don't get about o- O'Connell. A couple things, at least. Fourth and one in Denver, midfield mm-hmm. approximately. You don't go for it. Fourth and seven in Minnesota against the Bears, midfield approximately. You go for it. And I guess my philosophical question is, what's your philosophy there? That yeah. one that one threw me because I don't under it, it's not that I like disagree strongly with yeah. the fourth and seven going for it, but why wouldn't you have done that in Denver? I I think the this one, the the Bears one, because fourth and seven are like we're all like, he's going for this? He thought it for sure it was gonna be a punt. That was a total he didn't think the Bears were gonna do anything with that offense and Justin Fields. I mean, if you don't get it, okay, the defense is gonna stop him. The other one, I I, I don't know why he didn't go for that one. Right. I trust my defense there. In Denver, particularly the way they were running the ball in the first half half against Denver. Yes. That one made no sense to me. So it's, yeah, that's again, that's where the last two weeks, particularly now, maybe there's been other cases where he's been conservative, but the last two weeks have really probably because they've lost those games and they've come back to, to cost them. But those, those two, the last two games in particular really stood out of, and he's become conservative in those situations. And here's what's and and here's what I think is the most interesting thing about that statement, which I do agree with. And it's a season long problem. And I think it is his biggest blind spot blind spot as a play caller. And it's this. And again, I'm not saying I could do this. I don't know how, but I know it when I see it. Um, I think he really struggles to to use a football cliche, marry the run in the pass game. They always yeah. look like they're getting divorced. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great like they're, analogy. They're always pulling away from each other instead of that perfect synergy that some teams get where it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, of course you did that. You know, play calling is among those things at sports where when it's done well, you're like, oh, you're of course. course he did that. Yeah, of course. That's, that's easy. Well, no, it's not. But I always feel like the the run game is the, is the um, unwanted stepchild of this whole thing. Yeah, it's an art form when you're doing it at a high level. And don't you think, Judd, though, a lot of – you can tell when a play caller doesn't have confidence in a certain area. I just don't know that he trusts 100%. his running game. No, but that's, I don't, that's on him, though. He's got That's a, on him, yeah. yeah. Maybe we, we could talk about personnel or whatever they're doing, but it. and I don't know why you would have confidence in your run game based on what you've seen to this point. So that's where I think when they're humming and Cousins was in there – even though the running game wasn't going, it felt like whatever lever he pulled, it was working, right? And whether it's Addison, obviously JJ. Right. So I, I just I wonder if he kind of feels like, man, how many options does he have right now? Okay, you can rely on Hawkinson, Addison for the most part. Other you can't really trust the run game. So I I, I wonder if he's kind of feeling like his hands are tied behind his back a little bit. He probably does, but I feel like he gives the run game it's weird. If it starts to go south, he abandons it. It feels like, yeah. yeah. And I just don't think that you can do that. And and I and look, Madison has been a disappointment. But first of all, you trust him. You play him. And I just I don't think that he understands. Like like I would have, I would have two classes for the two most powerful coaches in town. One is 
PJ entire yeah, game, that's... entire game theory, but with Kevin, yeah. who, who I think is good in, in a lot of areas with Kevin, I, I would be like, okay, here's why it's important that you have to allow the run game to at least yeah. run its, run its course for lack of a better term. That that's, you know, we, I remember we used to have that with, with uh, Childress and also with, with, when Peterson's there's the whole famine, famine feast. And sometimes you're like, okay, what, at what point do you say it's not going to work and just abandon it? And what point do you, you say, no, you got to be patient because the more you do it, you, you're going to see the rev- Results, you might have a feast coming. I think that's a, probably an age old question for every coach is like, when it's not working, do you, do you stick with it or do you just say almost stubbornly stick with it or do you say, we got to try something else? And I just think O'Connell's probably seen enough proof that, man, we could stick with this and we're not going to get anything out of it. So I, I, I don't know that I necessarily fault him for abandoning it you know when it when it's not working because it almost a lot of times it just feels like you're running to a brick wall and it's never going to change now i think chandler's brought something different a different dimension and some and they, i would like to see more of him and they won't play him because they don't they trust play, him yeah they don't trust him in pass protection yeah but i i i, I sort of understand what o'connell's thinking and it's that's an area they're going to absolutely have right. to address this offseason 100 they're gonna have to address this but my issue is he has to be involved in fixing it. Like, like yes. you can't, yeah. that, that's not a crazy thing. It's his where offense. It's, like, it's his yeah, offense. exactly. You designed this thing. You, you know how the car is designed and you're literally like taking a big portion of the engine out and throwing it to the side. It's like, Kevin, th- you know, this is you, this is on you to fix Roscoe, your, your uh, Jaron Hall question. Go ahead. Yeah. You guys were talking uh, about who starts in Vegas. Likely, I think, in your estimation, Nick Mullins. Maybe it's still Dobbs. I, I would agree that it's probably not Jaron Hall. The last time he started, it was more out of necessity than actually wanting him to be out there. Right. But my question is this. If Nick Mullins plays or a combination of Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs, and at some point you're officially eliminated from playoff contention, would it be likely in your estimation that at that point you would see Jaron Hall for whether that's the final game the final few games just to see him more in game action. I'm not saying he's the quarterback of the future, but what I am saying is you now have seen him on the field a little bit, albeit two drives. It looked okay. You know what you have in Nick Mullins. You know what you have in Josh Dobbs. I kind of feel like if this team is eliminated from playoff contention at any point prior to the playoffs, I think it's likely that we'll see Jaron Hall again. Is that a wrong take? No, if it's, I don't, I don't think they'll be eliminated till the very last week if it is that because you look around the landscape, it's going to be hard to get eliminated anytime soon. Really, but is. yeah, if you're if you're totally out and you're not playing for anything, yeah. I mean, Jaron Hall is a development quarterback. They they had no intention of playing him this year. I mean, that's that was not going to be. He was going to be your number three all year, and if you got down that far, it was disastrous. And that's no disrespect to him. He's what was he a fifth round pick or whatever he was, and mm-hmm. so you're taking him with the idea of this is going to be a a red shirt year for him. Um, so, but if you're out of contention, yeah, why not uh, take a look and see what he can do and see if he, you know, how he handled the whole game. Like I said, the first two drives, I mean, they're two drives, so you don't want to overreact to anything, but. And they're just, also I, the scripted drives too. And they're the scripted drives. So, but I don't know, honestly, with their schedule and the way the rest of the NFC is, they're going to be in it right till the end. 
Let's go through seeds. Speaking of that, let's go through seeds six through 11 in the National Football Conference to see the <laughs> ineptitude here. Should okay? I hide my eyes? <laughs> this is yes. Yes. Your eyes will bleed m- much like they did in trying to watch that Monday night game. The number six seed is Seattle at six and five. The Vikings are then the seventh seed for now at six and six. The Packers are five and six, a half game back, but they're really more because they uh, lost to the Vikings in Green Bay, and the Vikings can sweep them here, I think, in the penultimate game of the regular season. The Los Angeles Rams are five and six, but they're behind the Packers in the tiebreaker. The Saints are five and six, but they're behind the Rams, and the Buccaneers who somehow beat you are four and seven. And then from there, it's just, it's absolute garbage. But the fact is I I'm with chip here, Ross. I don't think that they're going to fall out. I, I I mean, I, I think that they will, I don't know. They're going to win against the Raiders. I certainly would think it's a close game, but I mean, there is, you know, Cincinnati's going to start Jake Browning, you guys. So yeah. I'm with chip. I think this thing remains tight. And unless Mullins is a disaster, which, by the way, just to be very clear, is possible. (laughs) It's possible. But, yeah, yeah, I think this thing goes down to, you know, at least the first Detroit game. If they lose that game and they're falling apart, then perhaps they're done. What is the win total that you guys think it will take? Because it feels like 9-8, and It's you're almost a lock to get into the playoffs. There's also a path. It could only be 8-9. and It was just talking about what you you went through and then think about where the Vikings factor into that to what you guys said. The Vikings actually have tiebreakers over a fair amount of those teams other than the Buccaneers who are still two full games behind them. Yeah. I think nine would almost surely get you there. Um, I'm going to be interested. Let's say, let's just say for, for hypothetical that, that, that Mullins does start. If he plays poorly Judd and they lose, you go back to Dobbs at that point. I mean, is this a, I guess it's hard to know what O'Connell's thinking without seeing, you know, a game. But I, I'm curious to see how this thing unfolds with these quarterbacks. The rest, wait, does he want to stick with one guy? Is it? I'm it, guessing he's going to try and stick with. I'm. I mean, my guess is he's going to try and stick with Nick. And and I think we need to quantify poorly. I think the only thing that would get Mullins benched is throwing a bunch of picks and fumbling. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I actually think Dobbs might keep might have kept the job. I think the, I think six turnovers in two games in the season, in which by the way you have twenty four turnovers. You're third from last yeah. in the entire league, and I think you're a minus nine. I, I mean, Chip, it's unbelievable. Go look at the losses. You can, yeah. without like revisionist history, you can reverse like three to four of those defeats if you don't fumble. Yeah, it's it's. That that's the I'm sure the maddening thing for O'Connell is now you have to credit the defense some for forcing them, but if you eliminate you say they have 24, eliminate eight of those. What does their season yep. look like? Okay, you know, it, it's it's they're, they're probably in first place to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's I don't know you're saying half of them. I mean, just, the Philadelphia you know, game, the Philadelphia yeah. game. If if just one Jeff- Jefferson's yeah stretching across yeah yes that game that game um, the Chargers game for sure the Chargers, Chargers won yeah. by four you had a and the thing about this too is if I had come to you in July and said okay Chipper it's gonna be a weird <laughs> year here's how weird <laughs> the Vikings are going to offensively um, struggle as far as losing the football 
Kirk Cousins is going to get hurt, but they're going to remain competitive for a playoff spot because their defense is going to be basically incredible. You would have had me drug tested. Yeah, it's that's the thing that, you know, we focus so much on the quarterback situation and the turnovers. Goodness, what that defense has done to improve. It, it's, yeah, Brian Flores, you hope that they can keep him for a couple of years because he is so, he's so good. You know, he in his scheme and his approach, and I know people were mad that he didn't blitz on the last uh, series in loud fields to make a couple throws, but uh, defense was not the problem in that game. I mean, is what what he's done to help Daniel resurrect his career, and Daniel's going to command a massive salary as he should. Got to keep him. You got to keep him. I agree with you, but he might want to follow Flores wherever Flores goes if Flores leaves. Mm. But I'm with you now. You see, that's my whole thing is now I'm in the camp. Six months ago, I would have traded him. Um, But now I'm in the camp of you're going to have to sign JJ because I think you just have to. Yeah. I'm keeping Daniil hopefully on a three-year contract, but he's now going to be a top five paid rush end, which is going to be huge, which is where the Kirk thing becomes to your point about what's the price. Like, I can't – I'm sorry. Daniil – the injuries have scared me, but that guy has come back for the last two years, and this yeah. year has been unbelievable. And Kirk is coming off an Achilles at the tender age of 36, and he just got hurt. So, like, if yeah. you're like, okay, Judd, write one check. Sorry, Kirk plays a more important position, but I'm writing the check to D. Hunter. Yeah, and he, the other night, it felt like he made every tackle. He was all over the place. It was unbelievable how good he was. <clears throat> well, here's the other thing, too, Judd. I got to imagine Darisol is going to want to contract this offseason, right? Or you're going to have to start the – you can go the next year, but you're going to have to start the conversation. You're you're going to kick the – I mean, if you did this with Jefferson, you're definitely going to kick the can into 2025. Five, yeah. But But yes, he's going to get get paid. He's going to get paid. So you're talking about – Yeah. I mean, he's going to get paid like a top five left tackle. Until you draft Penix. Southpaw quarterback chipper now. Brian O'Neill's the blindside protector. Christian Darius, you're you. going to take. You're going to take with. Oh, I'm I'm a tough negotiator. I'm yeah. I'm a tough one. I'm I'm no pushover. Well, if you are Quasi, I mean, you have three. If we if we count Daniel, which I think you have to do. Jefferson, Daniel, yep, Darisol, yep. yep, three premier players at three premier positions. How are you going to do that with the quarterback and field a team that has any kind of? Depth? You're not. Well, and that and that's the thing is, you know, if Kirk will take one year with his replacement possibly on the the roster, come on down, come on back. But he's not going to. I don't think he's going to. So yeah. Um, before we wrap up, Roscoe, why don't you flip the mic back on and give us the Nick Mullins resume because it is I. You typed it on the screen, and it's atrocious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Nick Mullins resume will give him this. He has played 17 starts, oh, 5 and 12. I played great Yeah, 27 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, and 8 fumbles. Again, the mm. record, whether it's on him or not, 5 and 12. He hasn't always played for the best teams at the time. So, again, you're getting another quote-unquote journeyman quarterback who you're just hoping can come in and you can maybe corral him enough to not turn the ball over and do what you're asking him to do. And I think, Chip, at the beginning, you talked about, you know, if it wasn't the turnovers, I think their hope is that they can call plays that Nick Mullins physically won't make turnovers that Josh Dobbs was making. That's it. I mean, he's he's obviously been a turnover machine when he's in there. I think it's as much about 
him knowing the system and having familiarity with it as much as anything else. Because if you're looking for upside, I mean, Dobbs is, he's going to give you more potential for, he's going to, the turnovers, but he's going to give you more potential for game changing plays. But I, I, I just think, and I could be wrong, but I think O'Connell's going to play it safe here. The O'Connell thing, in my opinion, that sealed the fate of Dobbs starting against the Raiders was when he went into chapter and verse about Justin Jefferson coming back and about how important it's going to be to find, you know, to find the quarterback who can do the best job with Jefferson. That to me screamed the guy that was behind Kirk can run the most Kirk like system. And then to Chip's point, you're exactly right. Knows what I want exactly. Yeah, Like, I think Jefferson is the, hey, Dobbs did a great job, but Mullins is a better fit with Justin, right or wrong. I I, I sense that that was he, because he's such a diplomat. Kevin yeah, is. yeah he, I sense well, that and was what you trying to say. Yeah, and it's, it's we can be mad at Dobbs, and the, the turnovers are, you know, infuriating and unacceptable, but we can't forget, as much as we got caught up in the euphoria in the first two weeks look good, he's still new to the system. He's still a backup. You know, I so also not, maybe we, we the expectations were unfairly, you know, too high based on what well, he built them up. He did. Yeah. You know, I also think, guys, if you would have said he was essentially going to start four games, we'll give him credit for the first one that he appeared in. If you were going to tell me the Vikings bring in Josh Dobbs and they're two and two through four games. I mean, I don't necessarily think you love the path of how you got there, but I think everybody would have said, OK, well, that still keeps you in the mix. So. To a yeah. degree, job maybe not well done, but job done at least. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, the sky was falling, or at least O'Connell said it wasn't falling internally, but when 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 Cousins uh, that day in Lambeau Field, I don't know the sky is falling now, but the the urgency and the, the tough predicament that they're in with their quarterback situation has now reappeared because, we, we again, we all got – caught up swept up in Dobbs mania. And now here we are back where, man, they're really in a tough spot with this quarterback situation. If this team had gone five and two without Jefferson and cousins does not get, get hurt. We would be dancing in the streets right now. Yeah. Like the best receiver arguably in the entire league out and you win five games consecutively and lose two. But you, here's the, the one thing that I will say in defense of, of the Vikings, as far as the backup QB goes, I don't know that they could have done much more. Like no. Mullins got hurt, but that's the exact type of guy that I and he's not great, as as Roscoe said. Those stats are terrible, but he's the type of guy. He's not Sean Hill, right? Where it's an old man trying to yeah. stay and he can't move. Um, the Dobbs trade helped get you two wins, so that's huge. So I really don't find it. It's unfortunate that a guy in, in Kirk who never gets hurt got hurt, but. The reality is, I don't think that there's like a lot of anger or blame to point here on that. I think it, no. I think they've tried to just muddle through as best they can, and they are currently in a playoff seat. Well, the thing we have to remember is there's not 32 good starting quarterbacks. There's certainly exactly. not 64 <laughs> good quarterbacks. So it's nope. it's if you you know if you get in a situation, yeah, you can be frustrated with how it looks, but you also have to be realistic, like. Okay, this is what did what were our expectations? Like, what do we, you know, what do we think was going to happen? And again, I keep reiterating, but the first two weeks, you know, we got caught up in it and it was fun and everything, but uh, maybe it was, it was inevitable that it was going to come back to earth. I think what bites you, what you can be mad about is the start. The one and four start. That's on them. That, That's their yes, fault. That. 
hang on to the football. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. So like that, and and that's, and it's not as, you certainly don't blame the entire thing or even close on Kirk, but you know, that's with your starting quarterback. That's with Jefferson. Yeah. Um, That, and and they should have, unfortunately, they should have more cushion Yeah. because of that. So that, that actually far more burns me than yes. than like this stretch, which again, yeah, is just weird. All right, boys, great stuff. Thanks much, Chipper Roscoe. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll be back in a week with um Tyler Fornes, of course. Check out his stuff, Vikings Wire, where you can also find my columns where once in a while I'm critical of the Vikings. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>